Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good to be with you. I'm looking something up here for you. Um, how are you doing? I pray that you're doing well. I pray that you're being safe and smart and wise and washing your hands a lot and staying six feet. I just came from an early um, appointment this morning, and uh, they said just do two things. Wash your hands a lot, stay six feet from anybody else, and and you'll be fine. That's what they say. But... Um, not to panic, and just to be smart and take care of yourself. Um, it's regret, I think, um, um, regretful, perhaps is the word, uh, what a panic this has caused, and um, how much the focus has been on our physical survival, which it should be, but not on our spiritual survival. So, beloved, um, if there's anything... If if you're not ready to die any day of your life, any day of your life, if you're not ready to die, you need to get to confession. That's it. If you cannot, um, um, if you're not at peace, if you cannot say, Lord, you can take me today, not that you wish him to, but... Um, but he may, as, you know, often people say, how do we prepare... Um, Hold on a moment. Okay. How do we prepare uh, for the second coming, for the last days, all of that? And I say, well, the way you prepare before you go to bed every single night, because none of us know that we'll wake up in the morning. It could be anything. It could be anything. And so um, we need to be prepared. Every day we must live it as if it's the last day of our life, every single day, and not put off to tomorrow, as they say, what we can do today, because we may not have it tomorrow. This is not to put fright into us, but to put reality into us. None of us knows we have even till the end of the day. And so um, uh, we need to draw near to God in all things. We need to pray for those who are suffering. Um, it's it's news out there this morning that Alexander, uh, I, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but the gentleman who threw the uh, the Pachamama statues into the Tiber, uh, that hero of the faith from Austria um, has a f- young family and he has contracted the coronavirus and he has a very high fever and he's doing quite poorly and he's asked for prayer. So uh, we would ask, add him to our rosaries today and ask you to do the same, to pray for him and all who are affected. Um, But we've never had a better time to preach the gospel of our Lord. Never, ever a better time than we do now. And the faith is needed now more than everything, any any time before. Um, I'm looking at Matthew 15 because we are going through the Lenten sermons of our... um, um, Where am I? Here I am. Hello. 
I'm trying to find something while I'm talking to you um, of St. Francis de Sales. And so we're going to continue today. And we start today on the subject of faith. Um, And on that subject, um, I'm going to continue. So we went through temptation and we began with uh, fasting and then temptation. And now we have faith. What a perfect time to be talking about faith and from just about one of the greatest doctors of the church on faith. St. Francis says, um, on this day, preachers praise the virtues of the Canaanite woman in various ways. He said, for myself, because that was the, the passage uh, in Romans, in Matthew 15, woman, how great is your faith? Let it be done as you desire. Um, the Canaanite woman who touched the hem of his garment, um, uh, Matthew chapter 15. I, I, I mentioned before that I was a women's jail chaplain for 10 years in my evangelical Protestant days, and there was one inmate, um, so beautiful, beautiful woman, and she was utterly converted in jail. And when I was going through Protestant seminary um, and graduated the same time I was a jail chaplain, and so one of my, my, actually my closest friend, made me a big graduation party. And that inmate who had been released, I invited her to the party, along with some sheriffs and other inmates. It was fantastic. And it was the first time I saw her since she had been released. It had been a few months. And she came into the door, and the, the the apartment was kind of a condominium. You could see from the door straight through three rooms to the big room where everybody was, and that's where I was. And she came in the door, and she saw me. And um, if you know the story, the Canaanite woman who touched the hem of our Lord's garment and his blood made her whole. And there's a song <clears throat> that says... Um, and I, I forget, Jesus, oh, Jesus, um, it is Jesus in my soul. Sorry about the, I just need you to get the song. And she danced across the room, tall black woman, beautiful. And I say that to you because of the little accent here. And she said, for I have touched the hem of his garment and his blood has made me whole. So I never forgot that woman. So beautiful, so dramatically trans- transformed, so beautiful. So every time I come to this story, I think of her, and it's just love, pure, pure love. <clears throat> and St. Francis says, For myself, I will treat a faith showing you what it is. I will attempt to show the relationship between what I have to say to you with what occurred in the gospel between our Lord and the Canaanite woman. In this way, you will learn the qualities that faith should have. And if you wish to look it up, it's Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. St. Francis says, When the Savior said, Woman, how great is your faith? Was it because this woman's faith was greater than ours? Certainly not as regards its object, because faith has for its object the truths revealed by God to the church, and it is nothing else 
but an adhesion to our understanding to these truths which it finds both beautiful and good. Consequently, it comes to believe them, and the will comes to love them. For just as goodness is the object of the will, beauty is that of the understanding. In our day, in our day-to-day life, goodness is coveted through our sense of appetite and beauty. I'm sorry, goodness is coveted, that's right, through our sense of appetite, and beauty is loved through our eyes. In our spiritual life, it happens in the same way, in regard to the truths of faith. These truths are good, sweet, and true, and are not only loved and desired by the will, but are also valued by the understanding because of the beauty it finds in them. They are beautiful because they are true. For beauty is never without truth, nor truth without beauty. Moreover, beautiful things which are not true are not really beautiful either. They are false and deceitful. Now the truths of the faith, being true indeed, are loved because of the beauty of this truth, which is the object of understanding. I say loved, St. Francis de Sales says, for although the will has goodness for the direct object of its love, nevertheless, when the beauty of revealed truths is represented to it by the understanding it also discovers goodness there and loves the goodness and beauty of the mysteries of our faith. You know, I bet some of you wish you had the book I'm reading from and could just reread that paragraph two or three times to get all of it saying, but it's so beautiful. And I, I would encourage you, if I could, especially we're only halfway through Lent, to go ahead and get this book. Um you get it on Amazon, you'll have it in two days. Or go into a Catholic bookstore. Sermons of Francis de Sales, let's see. The Sermons of Francis de Sales for Lent. And it's what he gave in 1622, which is the year he died. For this reason, when our Lord desires to draw some creature to knowledge... Hold on now. Um... Okay, let me, I I skipped a sentence. In order to have great faith, the understanding must perceive the beauty of this faith. For this reason, when our Lord desires to draw some creature to knowledge of the truth, he always reveals its beauty to him. You see, sometimes people say, I wish I could have your faith. Not necessarily mine, but anybody's that has good faith. But... The thing is, we need to see the beauty of it. We need to see the beauty of truth. And once we get a a glimpse of such beauty, which is Christ himself, we just can't have enough. We cannot have enough. Our hunger grows, and then our understanding opens, and we see. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be back. We'll continue a little more with St. Francis of Sales. And at the second break, we'll get your calls, your emails, your texts. The toll-free number to call is 1-877-511-5483. Email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
We'll be right back. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Hi, this is Jim Wright, President of the Station of the Cross. Our 2020 Spring Appeal is officially underway. Please consider a sacrificial donation to help us spread the gospel. The theme of our appeal is Changing Lives in 2020. In the coming weeks, you may receive a mailing that shows the great gifts you can receive as a Spring Appeal donor. You can also view the gifts by visiting thestationofthecross.com. Your generosity will help us develop our programming, expand our outreach efforts, and continue to grow. To support our mission, please call 1-877-711-8500, 1-877-711-8500, or go to thestationofthecross.com. Use the donation page from your iCatholic Radio mobile app, or use a return envelope from one of our mailings. Your support will change lives in your community and beyond. Thank you, and may God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I had to remember who we are. Um, and we have um, just another short segment. You are welcome to call in uh, at any time. And after the next break, we'll take your calls, your emails, and your text. And for now, we're going to continue reading St. Francis de Sales' chapter from his Sermons on Lent on faith. And he says... Let me see now. Um, In order to have, I'll just back up two sentences to continue. In order to have great faith, the understanding must perceive the beauty of this faith. Um, uh, Let me, I I think of all the people who says, but I don't have great faith. And what's this and what? And they're almost demanding of God and thinking of it as something, you know, mechanical to get. Um, but you see, it's, it's a matter of anything with God, any, any truth. You're speaking of God himself, great beauty, great holiness. And you, you need to begin to seek that and then you'll have God and then you'll have faith. 
For this reason, St. Francis de Sales says, when our Lord desires to draw some creature to knowledge of the truth, he always reveals its beauty to him. There's no, no such thing as truth without beauty, beloved. St. Francis says, the understanding, feeling itself drawn or captivated by it, communicates this truth to the will, which accordingly loves it for the goodness and beauty it recognizes there. Finally, the love that these two powers have for revealed truths prompts the person to forsake everything in order to believe them and embrace them. You see? You think you don't have such great faith? Are you willing to forsake everything, even everyone, in order to have them, which is to have Jesus? Well, no, I'm not willing to forsake every. Well, our Lord may not be asking you that, but he did say, unless you love me, if you love father, mother, sister, brother, anybody more than me, you cannot be my disciple. You can't follow me. You can't have me. You see? Um, and the fact is that unless we put God first, unless we love him above every human being, we will never have a proper love for other human beings. Unless God is first, and it's not so much God is first, husband second, children third, that kind of thing. It's that God is in the center of all things, like the spoke of a wheel. And if God is in the center, everything is in order. And if he's not, everything is out of order. If you're a wife and your happiness depends on your husband, your sense of well-being depends on your how your husband loves you, uh, how much attention he pays to you, how faithfully all of that you're going to be absolutely miserable. If God is first in your life, then you're going to be able to not worry about so much your husband's love for you. You're going to be able to love him with God's love, and that will transform him. And the reverse, husbands to wives. This is done spiritually. All this helps to explain how faith can be said to be nothing else but an adhesion to the understanding and will of divine truths. With reference to its object, faith cannot be greater for some truths than for others, nor can it be less with regard to the number of truths to be believed. For we, we must all believe the very same thing. It's not your truth, my truth. Truth is truth. We believe it or we don't. We must all believe the very same thing, both as to the object of faith, who is Christ, as well as to the number of truths. All are equal in this, because everyone must believe all truths of faith, both those which God himself has directly revealed, as well as those he has revealed through his church. Thus, I must believe as much as you and you as much as I and all other Christians similarly. He who does not believe all these mysteries is not Catholic and therefore will never enter paradise. Do you hear that, beloved? You say, whoa, that's a little overboard. Just a minute now. What if we don't know all the truths? Well, you should as a Catholic. 
Well, we haven't been taught them. It's enough. You're responsible for your own faith. Pick up a catechism and read it. You can't read, get tapes, get DVDs, get CDs. Uh, Do what you need to do. Learn the faith yourself. We need to grow up and no longer be children. There are three generations lost to the faith. Well, it's the fault of our bishops and priests. and Well, they're accountable to the the degree that they are, and only God knows that. But we will not be able to stand before God and say, sorry, nobody taught me. God would say, who needs to teach you? Didn't I give you eyes to see and, and a heart to love? Why couldn't you read? Why couldn't you listen? Why couldn't you learn the faith? You, individual Catholic, are responsible to know your faith. And if you say you were never taught, you might be discouraged at that. You might even be angry at that. But that's only for a season. Now you're responsible. And you must learn your faith. And you must believe all the mysteries. And when I was coming to the Catholic Church, I met with a wonderful couple. And I asked them about purgatory because to my evangelical Protestant mind, it was unthinkable. And they said, oh, don't worry about that. The church doesn't believe in that anymore. Well, they were 100% wrong. Of course the church believes it because God gave it, you see? And was I accountable if I believed them? Not for that short a period of time, but as a Catholic, am I accountable now that if I don't know what the church teaches about purgatory? You bet I am. Well, come on, Mother, you're being awfully hard. What if, what if that was missing from RCIA or something else? doesn't matter. I'm either going to be Catholic. Look, let me show you something. I'm going to put a marker where we're at right now. Hold on. Suppose suppose you are dating and you are absolutely in love. You are in love. And your beloved writes you a love letter. And you get up at 3 in the morning and you go, go to the drawer where you put it away. You've already read it 10 times. But you're thinking about it, you fall asleep, you get up at 3 in the morning, you go to the drawer, you open it up, and you read it again and again and again. Why? Because it's from your beloved. It's, it's from the one who loves you. And it tells you all about him and about his love for you. And you love that. Why would you, if, if I said to you, how long is the letter? You'd say three pages. I'd say, well, how much did you read of it? Well, I read almost the first page and a paragraph from the second and, and a, a few lines from the third. And you, you'd say, what, what's your problem? This is from the one you love. It's been sitting in your drawer for two years. You haven't even read it? Well, I've read a lot of it. I go back to it once in a while. Wouldn't you think that person is rather odd? Of course you would. Well, this, beloved, now I'm going to show you. This is my Bible. I'm going to show it to you. Hold on. There it is. Revised Standard Bible. You see that? I have to tape it up again. Catholic edition. Ignatius Holy Bible. Revised Standard Bible. Catholic edition. You see that? It's falling apart. I love this Bible. I love it. I've, I've been through it. I've taped it. I've retaped it. Look, it's a mess. I love it. And you ever hear the expression, the Bible that's falling apart? usually belongs to someone that's not. (laughs) This is our love letter from God. It's our love letter, beloved. How can you not read it? And you know, we're not 
our own interpreters of Scripture. The Catholic Church is the interpreter of the Scripture it gave the world. But we have the Holy Spirit who wrote that Scripture through men. And as we read it, the Word is life to us. It's life-giving. The implanted Word, St. James says, that is able to save our souls. And we're transformed by it. If we have the Spirit of God in us, we must read the Scriptures. You read the Scriptures, you'll know the Catholic faith. Unless you've learned them from a Protestant or other perspective, and then you're going to have to relearn them, so to speak. But I remember coming into the Catholic Church. I, st- I read the Bible. I was an evangelical for 18 years. I read it through every year. I memorized whole paragraphs and, and books and all of that. I knew it. I knew what it meant. I knew what it meant by what it said, to a certain degree. And then I decided to look into the Catholic Church, and I put away commentaries, I put everything away, and I said, I'm going to read this Bible from Genesis to Revelation with no notes, with no commentary, because I, I wanted to understand the Catholic faith, and particularly I went through it to understand the issue of faith and works. Well, I started at Genesis and ended at Revelation with nothing but a pen or pencil and a pad of paper. That's it. And I came out Catholic because I read it for the first time straight through and I came out Catholic. And on the issue of faith and works, I saw that works are indeed the fruit of faith, which Protestantism teaches, but they are the necessary fruit of faith, which Catholicism rightly teaches. Faith without works are dead, and they are necessary works. They're not just proof of faith. So all of that. And and this word, Jeremiah said, thy words, um, oh, what did he say? Um, his, thy word did I eat, uh, and it became, I forget, oh, I forget so much now. Um, God's word is the, it's, it's the sword. Uh, it's able to divide uh, the heart to to know the thoughts of a man. Um, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting all these verses. It's terrible. It's just terrible. I could recite most of the Bible to you before, and now I have so much. The Catholic world is so incredibly rich. I think I've told you before when I came into the church, I felt like a little three-year-old facing a store the size of Sam's or Costco or something like that with my nose up against the window, and it was a candy store the size of Costco and Sam's, a one giant candy store. And I was on the outside looking in with my nose pressed against the window, and it was all mine. It's all mine. It was all mine. And I knew that I couldn't, in a whole lifetime, I couldn't walk through all those aisles and eat all the candy. And you know what? I feel the same way now. I feel the same way. I've been through about half an aisle. So far, in all these years, I entered the church in 1995. I haven't even been through a full aisle yet. People say, you still read the Bible through each year? I said, actually, no. I read it. But there's so much. There's so much. It's so beautiful, beloved. Um, If you're not Catholic, you are missing the fulfillment of Judaism, the full measure of Christianity, and the bliss of your true home this side of heaven. God bless you. 
call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483, email at mother at the station of the cross.com, and we'll be right back to take your calls after the break. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. The Catholic Current on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. These were the men and women of genius and heroism. We have to look at these men and women and see what it was in them that made them such giants of history. And we will discover that it was nothing other than the truths of eternal Catholicism. Tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross and iCatholic Radio for The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Heart to... Uh, did it again, heart to heart with with Mother Miriam. It's Mother Miriam Live. It's the same me, really the same program, but new title now that we are live, live streaming. Blessed be God for Station of the Cross and Life Site News that we can come together like this. I'm so happy about it. And now we have a half hour all to ourselves for your calls, your texts, your emails, whatever is on your heart, beloved. And again, it does never need to be, is that proper English? It does never need to be, does not need to be uh, our subject, but your subject. So again, uh, toll free to call or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a text from Tom who asks, how is a Messianic Jew different from a Christian? Well, there are... A couple of types of Messianic Jews. Um, most uh, of those who call themselves Messianic Jews 
are Christians, truly Christians, uh, generally Protestant Christian, generally evangelical Christians. Um, and they believe everything an evangelical Protestant believes. And, um, uh, and they are, they are Christians. They are non-Catholic Christians. Um, there are, uh, and they call themselves Messianic Jews because generally they're from a Jewish background and they have come to believe in the Messiah, which is how they call themselves Messianic, Messianic Jews. Um, but again, um, they really have, uh, come into Christianity mostly through evangelical Protestantism. There are mess- those who call themselves Messianic Jews, even in Israel, and they're Jewish people who believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but not God, not divine, which means they're not Christians at all, because to be a Christian, a follower truly of the Christ, Messiah is the Hebrew word for Christ, or I should say Christ is the Greek for Messiah, either way, um, to be a follower of Messiah is to be a, a, a Christian, a Christian. Um, and, um, but again, uh, to not believe that he's divine, 100% God, 100% man, you're not a Christian. Uh, but you're simply a Jewish person who believes he's the Messiah, uh, like a Nicodemus from God, but not yet believe that he's God. So that would be the difference. Um, we have Terry on the line from Rochester. Hi, Terry. Hello. Hi. Um, la- uh, recently you read on the air a beautiful spiritual communion from uh, Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Yes. And uh, I wondered, for those of us who have no uh, Internet access or others... Uh, if it would be possible for you to uh, include that in the next newsletter. Well, I will. You know what? I certainly wouldn't even have thought of it, but I absolutely will, Terry. And um, it'll be out um, in April. It'll be our Easter newsletter. And and I've mentioned to many that the focus uh, is going to be, the whole issue is really going to be homeschooling. But this is part of homeschooling. You need to be able to teach your children and family how to make good spiritual communions uh, during this time. So that's very beautiful, Terry. I will do that. I, I bless you for that. All right. It's, bless my wife. It's really her. She's the one that <laughs> threw it. Well, bless her and give her a hug for me and I, ten hugs for you. Okay. okay. Thanks, Terry. Bye-bye, dear. Bye. We have uh, an email from Brad, and Brad um, writes, In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, St. Paul seems to give us rules for head coverings. Quote, Any man who prays or prophesies with his head covered brings shame upon his head. Um, But any woman who prays or prophesies with her head unveiled brings shame upon her head. And I re- end quote. And Brad says, I remember in my youth that all the women at Mass wore those lacy head coverings. But today, to see a woman so attired is a rarity. Why is this no longer practiced? Well, for the reason that reverence is has gone by the wayside in so much of our life. Obedience, understanding, love for beauty, for holiness and reverence has gone by the wayside. That's why I, I wish every 
woman wore a head covering. Um, and and uh, to to quote the words of the words of Dr. Alice von Hildebrand, not because women are inferior, but because they're sacred. You cover what is sacred, just like the tabernacle is covered. And uh, Brad's second question later in the same packet passage, Paul states that for a man to wear long hair is degrading to him, but if a woman has long hair, it is her pride. But didn't Jesus himself have long hair? And even if he did not, as a Jewish male, he would not, would he not have covered his head with his prayer shawl before praying or reading from the Torah, even as Jewish men continue to do this day? He would have. You're very right. This is, I'd have to do some study on this passage, Brad. It, it's, it's a little confusing to not know the exact historical background because men, you know, they wear yarmulkes, they wear what they call the, the skull cap, um, and it's actually in the Old Testament you saw them, they didn't wear that, but they covered their head with sackcloth and ashes, a sign of repentance, and the yarmulke replaces that today. It's not a fashion situation, it's a, a sign of humility and repentance. And so, and, and so was the prayer shawl that men wore. So, so that's, um, maybe it's just for prayer and not you know, normally to walk around with long hair. Um, one suggestion is that Jesus didn't have long hair as a woman would have it. It was just a little longer than a man's hair would be, maybe shoulder length, but it, it separated him from being uh, anything, you know, a feminine length, that kind of thing. Another uh, suggestion from some is that it could have, he could have taken the vow of a Nazarite, which was to say that um, when someone, even like John the Baptist and Samson in the Old Testament, to take a Nazarite vow meant you could not cut your hair and you could not drink wine. Um, and so your hair would grow long and it would be a sign of holiness. And several times in the gospel, Jesus said uh, that he refused wine. He said, I won't drink of the vine until I, you say, till I see you again in the kingdom. And when they try to give him wine on the, on the cross, he wouldn't take it. But um, those are just suggestions all over the place. I don't know exactly why, um, but it, 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 through the whole Old Testament, a man was never to dress as a woman and a woman never as a man. And the appearance was, the appearances between them were to be clear. That's the best I can do right now, Brad. There are books of customs and manners in our Lord's Day. And I, I think such a book, um, might have something more to offer us. There's a wonderful book called Ancient Israel published by, er- I think, um, uh, Erdsman, I'm sure, I'm not sure, um, that would have probably some of that information. I'll see if I could look it up. Um, we have a call from Laura in Rochester. Hi, Laura. Hello. Hi, dear. How are you doing? Um, I just went to a Eucharistic adoration uh, yesterday, last night Good. before I heard that the churches in Rochester, New York, are closed. Oh, how and, awful. Um, it just makes I my heart a, sink. A little place. Now, the churches are open, and people can go um, during the daytime. They can uh, go in and pray before the tabernacle. The uh-huh, problem is uh-huh. we hear sermons uh, most of the time on uh, social justice and the poor, which is 
It's the second commandment, thou shalt love their Lord. Wait, let me stop you. When you say the churches are open, so you can go in there to pray. You can go in to pray. Where do the sermons come from? Well, I'm I'm talking about normally when we go. Okay, go ahead, Laura. Sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we hear a lot about social justice and the poor, which we do need. We do need. No, I'm with you all the way. I know what you're saying. I don't remember hearing about encouraging us the power of praying before the the That's right. sacrament and salvation and altogether it in the bulletin mm-hmm. it's in the bulletin yeah. but that's all it is and people if people don't don't think about it now would be a beautiful time to do this and and it would be hearing about it it's it's almost like it's an old fashioned thing we remember when we were kids we mm. went to the church and did it and people have gotten out of it and we don't hear about we don't hear about this from our yeah from the pulpit, and yeah. and now this, you know, is just very sad. Serious. It's a very powerful experience That's to right. pray That's before right. the Blessed Sacrament in, in the monstrance. Yeah, you're very um, right, Laura. And if uh, if sometimes if ch- Adoration Chapels are not open or the people feel they're too small and, you know, too tight a space for a few people to gather, that kind of thing, even though our Lord is not exposed in the main church, we know He's equally there. So... Either way, either way, if our churches are open, we should take advantage of that and go and adore him. Absolutely, if, Laura. If people are told about, you know, people yep. are reminded that, that this is a powerful prayer. Yeah. And this is what I hope. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that commandment that the Lord said to love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So in yep. order to love your neighbor as yourself, you really have to do the first one with yeah. all and i think the biggest word in that thing is all how much is all we should think about while we're sitting home what how much do we love the lord with all of our heart how much well i tell you i tell you I'm, I'm glad i can't see the all of my heart because i think it wouldn't be as much as i want it to be or think it might be so but you're very no, right laura but we it's have something to, we all need to think about and, and work on how much as, today is going to be all for me today just just think about that how much is all today now yeah. that we can't go to mass yeah. how much hold is all? nothing and, back from god laura your call is wonderful and it's timely i i i do not doubt that you have been a, a good um, little uh, reminder and uh, encouragement uh, to a number of people, and I bless you for it. God bless so you, dear I hope Laura. people will go go into your church. Um, there won't be crowds there. Go in and, and pray for even 10 minutes if that's all you have. That's right. But and I'll tell you a story. The Lord is now lonely for us. He's lonely yeah, for you're us. You're very right. You're very right. There's a story I told it quite a while ago of a man named Johnny, and he would go five minutes. It was all he went. Every night on his way home from work, he stopped into the church, sat in the back pew. Hi, Lord, it's Johnny. Just every day, five minutes. Hi, Lord, it's Johnny. Adored our Lord and went home. And when Johnny was uh, sick, in the, I, he may have been on his deathbed, I, I forget completely, but in the hospital, um, over the loudspeaker or somehow, the whole hospital heard, Hi, Johnny, it's Jesus. 
I think I did hear you mention this before. Oh, I, you yes. know, I just told that story again because it. it's true, and I, I'm yeah. one goosebump because I just told it again. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, let me go to a question. Uh, Laura, thanks so much for calling in. God bless you, dear. We have a question from Katie, and she says, I met some people who regularly attend a Latin Mass, which I think is very nice and very interesting. One of them, however, stated he didn't think a Mass was valid if it was not said in Latin. And I pointed out that the first Mass, that is the Last Supper, good for you, was not said in Latin. You are right, Katie. (laughs) But I'm not sure what language Jesus did speak at the Last Supper. Could you explain what language Jesus and the Apostles spoke, what language the Gospels were originally written in, how the Church came to make Latin the official language for the Mass? Oh, bless you, Katie. Okay, there's the music for our break. We'll be right back after the break. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, and we'll be right back. God bless you. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Jim Wright, President of the Station of the Cross. Our 2020 Spring Appeal is officially underway. Please consider a sacrificial donation to help us spread the gospel. The theme of our appeal is Changing Lives in 2020. In the coming weeks, you may receive a mailing that shows the great gifts you can receive as a Spring Appeal donor. You can also view the gifts by visiting thestationofthecross.com. Your generosity will help us develop our programming, expand our outreach efforts, and continue to grow. To support our mission, please call 1-877-711-8500, 1-877-711-8500, or go to thestationofthecross.com. Use the donation page from your iCatholic Radio mobile app, or use the return envelope from one of our mailings. Your support will change lives in your community and beyond. Thank you, and may God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and again, um, you are welcome to call in a good 10 minutes if you wish anything on your heart, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. I'm going to read Katie's question again. Uh, she has a good question on Facebook. She said, I met some people who regularly attend a Latin Mass, which I think is very nice and very interesting. One of them, however, stated that he did not think a Mass was valid if it was not said in Latin. And I pointed out that the first Mass, that is the Last Supper, was not said in Latin. I love you for that, Katie. You're absolutely right. But I'm not sure what language Jesus did speak at the Last Supper. Could you explain what language Jesus and the Apostles spoke, what language the Gospels were originally written in, and how the Church came to make Latin the official language for the Mass? Well, um, I don't have the answers to all of that. I'd have to do some uh, looking up. But generally, uh, the language of Jesus' day um, was Greek, was Greek. But the Jews, Koine Greek, the common language was Greek, but the Jews pretty much spoke Aramaic. And so Jesus would have also spoken Aramaic. Um, The Gospels were written in Greek, except Matthew's Gospel would be in Hebrew. Um, And uh, so pretty much uh, the Jewish people in our Lord's Day knew Aramaic and probably a bit of Hebrew and um, and also Greek because it was the language of the common people. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I think it it it's understood that Latin came in through the Italian um, Christians, and I think it just began to become part of the culture. And it may be Saint Jerome's Bible, which he translated, of course, into Latin. Um, that began to make Latin as the official language of the church. I have to look all that up, but Latin came later, maybe um, third, fourth century. I'd need to look it up. Um, So initially, uh, again, the apostles would have spoken probably Greek and Aramaic. Our Lord would have spoken Aramaic at the Last Supper and and again, uh, Hebrew as well. So um, let me see. So I, I think I think that's it. Now, the Latin is now the official language for the Mass, and one of the reasons that Latin has remained the official language for the Church is because it's a dead language, meaning that it doesn't change. Once you learn it, that's it. It's, you know, English, it changes, French, Italian, Spanish, languages change with the culture. We talk about colloquialisms and all that. But Latin doesn't evolve. It doesn't change. It's dead. It stays the same. And so it's safe that if you know Latin, no matter where you go in the world, if the church is, if the mass is celebrated in Latin, you know exactly the words. Uh, Our Lord uh, quoted actually from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Um, and so, uh, so yes, he also spoke Greek. Okay. Uh, that was probably a bit of a sloppy answer, but that's a general understanding, Katie. Um, we have a text from Joanne who says, I was taught that the sacraments were instituted by Jesus himself. You're right. Sacraments like baptism, Eucharist, confirmation, holy orders are pretty clearly described in the scriptures. 
were there specific events in the Bible in which Jesus first instituted sacraments like confession and the anointing of the sick? Well, um, James speaks of the anointing of the sick, St. James, um, um, and um, and certainly uh, the Apostle John, uh, who walked with Jesus, uh, speaks about confession um, quite a bit in, in the Gospel of First John. Um, so let me see, and in, in fact... Um, uh, John the Baptist uh, uh, took of all of Israel and gave them a repentance, gave them baptism for the repentance of sins. And baptism wasn't yet a sacramental prior to heaven being opened up. There were no sacraments in the Old Testament, but there were signs that pointed to the sacraments to come. And one of them was baptism, being washed clean. Uh, John the Baptist said, who told you brood of vipers to come, you know, and, and they would only come because they were confessing their sins, confessing they were sinners. And so even Jesus, when he was baptized and John the Baptist said, I can't baptize you. I have need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, let it be done this way to fulfill all righteousness. And it really was for the confession of sins that he would be baptized, that the sins would be wiped away. And, um, and much is done for the anointing of the sick in the, the Old Testament. And our Lord anointed the sick and rose people from the dead. So, um, uh, many events, many events like that in, in the, in the Old and New Testament. Um, Joanne, I hope that helps some. The catechism will help you more. Look, look up the sacraments in the catechism of the Catholic Church and they will give you some, some scriptures to refer back to. We have a text from Fred who says, a co-worker of mine who is not Catholic did not believe me when I said that St. Patrick was not Irish. Can you tell us where St. Patrick is really from and why he went to Ireland? Well, my goodness, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Um, hold on now, just hold on a minute, and I will tell you that. Um, but I'm going to look it up because I also am not Irish, I'm Jewish. <laughs> I'm the most Jewish, Jewish a Jew could be by being Catholic. Um, let me... Uh, try to find something that's going to, some things, uh, everything is the celebration of St. Patrick's Day. Um, I just want St. Patrick, not St. Patrick's Day. All right, hold on, hold on just a minute. One second, this is terrible. You could have looked it up yourself in all this time. St. Patrick was a 5th century Romano-British Christian missionary and bishop. In Ireland, he's known as the Apostle of Ireland, the primary patron saint of Ireland. Um, And so, you want to know his nationality apart from that? Um, I'm doing a poor job here. Um, I don't know if he's not... He's Okay, so... um, 5th century Romano-British Christian missionary and bishop in Ireland. 
um, I, I'd have to look to see where he's born. I shouldn't have taken your, I should have looked up this first. Here, hang on one minute, and I will get that for you. Um, Bishop and patron saint of Ireland, um, uh, his feast day today, he flourished in the 5th century, um, which would have been in the 400s, um, credited with bringing Christianity to Ireland, um, and all of that. Okay, let's see. You know, um, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm, I'm flubbing this so much. I thought I'd find just quick information, and I don't have it. I should have been prepared with it before the program. So God bless you. I'm so sorry. That's the end of our program today. Um, I will do a little looking up of St. Patrick tomorrow, even it'll be a day late. Um, uh, okay. I better say goodbye. I'm still thinking out loud with you. A little strange, huh? God bless you, beloved. And it just shows you we all don't know everything. This is no surprise. God bless you, and we'll be back with you tomorrow.